Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. How many of you are really looking forward to a new year? Yeah, hands all over this room. You're looking forward to a new year because you're done with 2016, right? 2016, you're, you're just waving by to it in the rearview mirror. You're ready to see it go because for some of us, 2016 was, was not all that kind. Uh, for most of us in the room, a new year is very appealing. It, it, it's a time of fresh starts and new beginnings. There's this trend on TV right now of people taking older homes and fixing them up. And, and it's, it's so popular. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, for the longest, I didn't want anything to do with it. Because it looks like to me it's just going to create a lot of honeydew lists for the men. And so I just, did, I just stayed away from it. But I, I'll be honest with you, there's times when I'm turning you know, the, the TV and turning the channels and, and, and I see something and it looks interesting and I want to see the outcome. Before you know it, you're suckered in. You got to know, what did they do with that house? There's shows like, like Love It or Listed. Anybody watch Love It or Listed? Oh, there are people in the room. Uh, this show has a, a current homeowning couple or family decide between keeping their newly renovated uh, home or buying a new home and selling their current one. One host renovates and, and redesigns the current home, and the other host presents new possible homes for, for the homeowners to buy. And then there's this show, Flip or Flop. Anybody watch Flip or Flop? Well, that's an interesting show because this HGTV show follows a real estate husband and wife duo as they buy homes, typically short sales and foreclosures, and, and they see if they can renovate and turn a profit by flipping the house. But unfortunately, their marriage flopped this year, and it's, it's sad. It's heartbreaking to me. I'm not trying to be funny there, but, but that, that is that's concerning. <laughs> Then there's this show, Property Brothers. Anybody watch Property Brothers? A few of you in the room. And um, I'm getting concerned with you because you raise your hand on all of them. Um, this series features identical twin brothers, Jonathan and Drew, and they help homeowners uh, or home buyers purchase and renovate properties. And then there's this, this, this phenomenon called Fixer Upper. Anybody watch Fixer Upper? <laughs> I knew that was coming right there. Chip and Joanna Gaines. And, and they present three homes for potential purchase. And once the homeowners decide which home that they, they want to purchase, Joanna designs the, 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 re, the redesigning of the house and Chip is the lead contractor. Uh, home renovation shows are just popular. They're everywhere. And, and even early 90s rap icon Rob, Ran, Rob Van Winkle has his own show called The Vanilla Ice Project. For those of you that don't know who Rob Van Winkle is, The Vanilla Ice Project. And uh, so they're everywhere. And I admire people that have the skill set to take an, an old house and make it look new. I, I can't do that. I, I'm not handy. It took me like a month to build a porch on the front of a mobile home one time because I had to sketch it out over and over and over. I bought every single board, I mean, down to the exact board we needed. Nothing extra, nothing less, because I had all the measurements just right. And, and I, I can do some handy things, but I'm just not fluid. And so it takes me a little while. Some people can do this with old cars. 
I'm, I'm not mechanically inclined either, and so that's, that's not me. But, but they have the ability to repair and restore old cars back to their glory days. I, I once had a restored 69 Mustang. I bought it that way. Uh, I didn't take it on as a project. I bought the car restored. It was a beautiful car. But, but when the transmission started slipping, I knew that it was beyond my skill set. And so it was time for me to sell the Mustang. And so I did. I sold the Mustang and bought a Jeep way back then. Uh, it, it, it's a special gift to take something old and to make it like new. Now, now that's a key phrase for today right there. Like new. Say like new. That is so important, like new, because people can get creative when they are trying to sell something used for a better than used price. And so they will use these terms like, like new to sell them. You know, you've, you've been on the, some of these sites, you know, these swip, swip, swap shops, you know, and you, and you know what it's like when they're, they're trying to sell something. Then maybe they're trying to pull one over on you a little bit and they say that it's like new. Now, here's my concern, and, and this is what I want us to talk about as we go into this new year. Many Christians come to Christ, and they have this refurbished mentality. Many people, when they come to Christ, they think, God took my life, and he made some key repairs, and I'm refurbished. They picture themselves being fixed up. Before Christ, they were, they were jaded and they were, they were scarred. Their, their lives were not spotless by any means. So when they come to Christ, they still see the old vehicle just with a new motor and some, some touch-up paint. Or, or maybe when they come to Christ, they still see the old house, but with just some new floors and new cabinetry. Maybe some paint on the walls. And this is contradictory to what God is saying. You see, they feel the love of Christ, but they have not accepted who they really are in Christ. God does not recreate you refurbished. And this is the mentality that too many Christians have. We walk around thinking that we are refurbished. And I want you to know today, you're not a fixer-upper. That's not who you are. When Christ looks at your life, he doesn't see you as a fixer-upper. Let me show you what I'm talking about. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You're not a fixer-upper. In Christ, you're brand new. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24 says you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new say new. new to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness Colossians chapter 3 verses 9 and 10 Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. 
And finally, Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 through 5 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said behold I make all things new don't settle for a refurbished life that is what has hindered so many Christians you are a child of the king and if you will allow him to he will make your life new not refurbished not some old wall that just has new paint on it not some old house that's just been fixed up no you are created with a new temple this is the temple of God and when God gets a hold of your life he wants to recreate everything about you he wants to rebuild who you are you're not a fixer-upper you're not refurbished. You are not something old that just looks better now. Don't settle for that refurbished life. The greatest opposition to God making all things new in your life is you settling for the old things. I mean, think about it. How can you have your best year ever when you can't leave behind last year? I'm about to preach to somebody right now. You're, you're about to get this. You don't want to get it. You don't want to hear it. But I'm about to tell you anyway. You can't have a renewed career this year if you dwell on last year's losses. It's in the past. Let it stay in the past. You can't experience new friendships when you're holding on to last year's grudges. Leave them. Leave them in 2016 and walk into 2017 new. You can't have a renewed marriage this year if you are carrying last year's hurts and resentments. You've got to walk into this year knowing that God makes all things new. That's what he does. And God doesn't create you like new. God creates he doesn't recreate. God create. He calls us to recreate, to recreate. But when God does something, God creates it new. Amen. So I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Man, I'm telling you, I'm preaching a whole lot better this morning than what you're, you're responding to. You don't feel this the way I do. I've been down in the bed for three days with a bad back. Struggling. I feel the best right now that I have felt in the past week with my back. Amen. Because God makes all things new. Amen. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And they, being Jesus and the disciples, they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people. 
but they looked like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. How many of you today would like to see everything clearly? That there's things in life that sometimes we think that we should be able to see them clearly. But nothing simple anymore. Have you noticed that? Nothing is easy anymore. It's always complicated. You start out on the journey. You start off on your day. And and it seems like you've just got a few simple tasks. But by mid-morning... It is so complicated. It's not as clear as it once was. And and, and I don't know about you, but I'd want to go into this new year just just understanding and and realizing and seeing things more clearly. This passage of Scripture this morning may be one of the most perplexing passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. The obvious question here is why? Why did Jesus spit in the man's eye? As if life wasn't already bad enough for the guy. He's blind. Jesus walks up, hawks one up, and spits it in the man's eye. I mean, this is one of the biggest mysteries of the Bible. And I don't have an answer for you today. I'm just presenting it out there and saying, what is the deal with that? What's going on? Why did Jesus spit in a man's eye? And and you may have an answer, but the Bible doesn't even give us the reason why. But that's, that's the obvious question. The one that's really concerning to me is this. Why did Jesus have to pray for the man twice to heal him? I mean, I'm interested in the spit thing. But what's concerning to me is that the God that I put my life in his hands, my soul rests in him. The one that I believe created the heavens and the earth. The one that I believe is a healer. The one that I believe created humanity and knows us through and through. Why didn't he get it right the first time? I mean, it it seems like we could easily forget about the spit thing if, if he's just healed the first time, right? It concerns me. It's perplexing. It honestly makes you question everything about your faith. If the one that we believe is all-powerful laid his hands on this man and couldn't get it right the first time? Some of you are thinking, Pastor, you have lost your mind in this new year. What did you have to drink last night, Pastor? Ice water. That's all I had. That's all I had. Didn't even have any coffee at the house. The blend was closed, couldn't couldn't have any coffee. If you go back to the beginning of Mark chapter 8, you'll read about the the miracle of the feeding of the 4,000. Immediately right after that, 
there's Pharisees that come to argue with Jesus in verses 11 and 12. And, and then Jesus and his disciples, they get into a boat. And in verse 15, Jesus tells his disciples to beware of, of the leaven of the Pharisees. And we know what leaven is. Leaven is another word used for yeast that's necessary for baking bread. But in this case, Jesus uses it to refer to the false teaching of the Pharisees. And he's telling his disciples this, but the disciples, they don't get it. And, and they think that Jesus is talking about literal bread, uh, like, like, you know, actually what he fed the, the, the 4,000 with. And so Jesus rebukes his disciples by saying, having eyes and you do not see and having ears you do not hear. Do you not remember? Or, or, or maybe we could paraphrase it this way. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, how can you be so blind after having been with me so long? Don't you understand anything that I am saying? That's what he says to his disciples. You think I'm talking about actual bread, but I'm talking about the corruption of the Pharisees. Don't you get it? You've been with me so long now. Don't you understand? How can you have eyes and not see what I'm saying, ears and not understand and hear what I'm saying? And this blind man is going to serve as the perfect example to these disciples that you can see physically, but spiritually not be able to see. And I want you to understand this, church, because it's time that we as Christians stop being blind spiritually. The enemy keeps pulling the wool over our eyes. Oh, we're saved. We're on our way to heaven. We are blood-bought. But spiritually, sometimes we are so blind. And he's telling his disciples, how can you have eyes and not see what I'm doing? How can you have ears and not hear and understand? You have been with me for so long. Why don't you get this? And he immediately walks up to, to, to this, this blind man and they bring this blind man to him in the next verses uh, following. And, and, and I believe that what we witness is not one, but two healings. Now listen, I'm, I'm going to jump on some, some Rocky McKinley commentary here just for a few moments, okay? Just, just a little research that I've done. You're, you're not going to find this in the footnotes of your Bible, but, but just bear with me for a second. And I'm not trying to, to, to create heresy or anything like that, but I just want you to stay with me because I do believe that we witnessed two miracles performed on one man. Let me explain. The first one is physical. The first one's physical because the man could see. But what he saw, he said it looked like, like trees walking around. I, I see something, but it's, it's not making sense to me. I believe that the second miracle here was mental. Neurological, if you will. Let me, let me show you my research. Again, I'm not trying to rewrite your Bible. You take it or leave it, and I promise you I'll bring us all back together at the end. But I just want to present some food for thought just for a second. Scientists 
have now learned that no matter how long a blind person has been blind, when they receive their sight back, the cerebral cortex, the part of the brain that relates to your vision, it must be reprogrammed as if from childhood. In his book, an anthropologist on Mars, Oliver Sacks, tells of a blind man named Virgil who at the age of 50 was successfully restored to sight. And though the surgery was successful, Virgil had trouble adjusting to being sighted. And the author of the book writes, he said, steps posed a special hazard because all he could see was a confusion, a flat surface of parallel crisscrossing lines. He could not see them, although he knew them, to form a complex perception at a glance. This was one reason the cat visually was so puzzling. He could see a paw, nose, the tail, and ear, but could not see them all together, see them as a whole. This man's wife, Virgil, the guy that got his sight back, commented, he said, Virgil finally put a tree together. He now knows that the trunk and leaves go together to form a complete unit. You see, the guy's sight was restored, but he didn't understand what he was seeing. He didn't understand what went with what. It, it was all so new to him that he was having to reprogram his mind. And when the blind man of Bethsaida began to see, I'm convinced he could not make sense of the imagery that was hitting his brain. He said it looks like trees walking. For all we know, this man had probably been blind from birth. His brain had not yet adjusted to sight. It's such poetic imagery. But it's a clinical description of how the man saw. Tree and man ran together. Couldn't make sense of what he was seeing. And Jesus reaches down and he touches his eyes again. And I'm convinced at that moment he healed something in the neurological sense of what this man was dealing with. Whatever the case, I can't prove that to you, but whatever the case, we know that God would not leave this man half healed, and that's not his desire for you either. Amen. God has never done a work in someone's life to leave them half healed. And some of you, you are half healed. You've received salvation, but you are still dealing with the same stuff year after year after year, and God is ready to heal you completely and wholly. It's not his will that you are half healed. That's not how God operates. He didn't turn the water into mediocre wine. He did it right. And the master of the feast called, called it the best wine yet. You see, when, when Jesus healed the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda, he didn't tell him to, get a, to, to take up his mat and hobble off. He didn't say, get your mat and limp away. He looked at that man and said, take up your mat and walk. He said, I'm not doing this halfway. If I'm going to heal you, you are going to walk away from here. That's what you need for your life. That's what I'm going to give you. He didn't raise Lazarus from the grave to be half alive because that means he would have been half dead. God doesn't save us halfway. He saves us completely. And when Jesus came, he came all the way from where he was to where we are. God doesn't do it halfway, has no desire to do it halfway. He's not interested in refurbishing your life, putting a little paint on you and making you look better for society. No, God is interested in doing something new inside of you. Yes. 
Don't just let him heal you physically. Let God heal you spiritually and mentally. Isaiah 43 and 18 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Look at somebody next to you and say, do not dwell on the past. Tell them. They didn't get it. They, didn't, they just heard words coming out of your mouth. It looked like trees walking around to them. Tell them again. Say, do not dwell on the past. Tell them. They're still not getting it. They don't understand what you're Do not dwell on the past. Tell them again. Say it. Oh, you're healing them spiritually right now. You don't understand. Every word that you're speaking is helping them to see what they keep bringing up year after year after year. It haunts them from one year to the next. They can't leave it behind. But do not dwell on the past because God's doing something new in you. Verse 19, he says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you settle for a refurbished mentality. God's making all things new. He's making me new. He's making you new. He's making all things new. There was a London businessman by the name of Lindsay Clegg that told the story of some warehouse property that he was selling. And the building had been empty for a number of months, and, and, and it was in need of repairs. Vandals had damaged the doors. There were smashed windows. There was just trash thrown everywhere throughout the building. And he showed the property to a potential buyer. And Clegg reluctantly said that he would replace the broken windows, bring in a crew, a crew to correct any structural damage, and that he would have a crew come in and clean out all the garbage that was left around. And the buyer looked at him and said these words. He said, forget about the repairs. When I buy this place, I am going to do something completely different. He went on to say, I don't want the building. I want the site. Church, when it comes to our lives, God just wants the site and permission to build. He's not going to force his way in there, but he will. If you give him permission, he will build something brand new. The old structure, it has to be demolished. God wants to build a new temple to dwell in, and that temple is you. You're not a fixer-upper. Shed the refurbished mentality. Because behold... I am making all things new. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church for life's journey.